Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. The next couple of episodes are going to be drawn from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. These are verses that I think, when considered altogether, present us with six essentials for getting along with other people, those who are Christians and those who are not. Essential number one would be to forego judging. Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 says, Do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge you will be judged, and by your standard of measure it will be measured to you. Thus we see what I think may be perhaps the most well-known words in the Bible. Do not judge. The idea is to stop being judgmental. In fact, in the Williams New Testament in the language of the people, the first verse is translated as stop criticizing others so that you may not be criticized yourself. Personally, my friends, I have most often heard these words come from the lips of someone who is guilty of some sin that they really have no intention of stopping, or from the lips of those who sympathize with them. I've always found it interesting that when someone accuses me of judging by saying that someone's practice or belief is wrong according to God's word, they never recognize the fact that they have just done what they have accused me of doing. So before looking at what the teaching of Jesus does mean in Matthew 7 and verse 1, let's look at what it does not mean. It does not mean that all civil government should be done away with because God gave the civil government the right to judge. Just one passage that shows us this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, where we read, Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether of, of a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and the phrase of those who do right. Some will usually respond by saying that Matthew 7.1 is obviously not referring to the government, but it would apply to a congregation or the elders judging any of its members. Saying that they are wrong and due to a lack of repentance must have the final step of discipline taken toward them. Many people, even in the church, feel this way and refuse to participate when such is done, thus making it much more difficult for the Lord-ordained discipline to accomplish what it was designed by God to do. But you know what the Bible says, Judge not that you be not judged. Unfortunately, there are congregations where people never have to be given any thought at all to withdraw because it simply will not be done no matter what. My friends, we know that the Bible does not contradict itself. Consequently, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 does not teach 
that we should never exercise all of the steps of church discipline for the very one who said, judge not, also said in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, and if your brother sins, go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax gatherer. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to reveal to the apostles all truth. The Holy Spirit revealed several things about such discipline in powerful passages, such as 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5 through 9, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, and and verses 14 and 15, and Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. It is possible that some will say, okay, that passage is not talking about church discipline, but it is at least teaching that we, as individual Christians, never have the right to say that someone else is wrong morally or doctrinally. But again, if words mean anything, and they do, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 cannot be teaching that. Down in verse 6, the Lord said, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine. We cannot obey that command without making a judgment regarding who are the figurative dogs and who are the pigs referred to. In verses 15 through 16, the first part of it anyway, of the same chapter, Jesus said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Well, how could we do that? How could we obey 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So if these things that Jesus did not mean for us to do, what does it mean? The Lord's word teaches that there is a certain type of judgment that must be avoided. And let me give you several aspects of judgment that Jesus condemns not just here, but also in other places that help us to understand. A very common shortcoming in judging is to allow our background, prejudices, and personal preferences color our judgment. It happens a great deal of the time. I read that among some of the ancient Greeks, very important trials were held in the dark so that those charged with making the judgment could be swayed only by the facts. It is like a teacher who covers the name of the student as he or she grades their paper. Isn't it true that something else we must not allow to happen when it is necessary to judge others is to do so hastily, without having all the facts or knowing all of the circumstances? We may not have all the information about what really happened. We may not understand the background of the accused. We may not know if this was the rule or exception in his life. Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 24, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Additionally, far too often when we judge someone, we attempt to make a a judgment concerning his motivation. 
John chapter 2 verse 25 tells us that Jesus knew what was in man. We are not Jesus. And truly, we cannot be sure of the motives of another. We can say he did this or he did that, but we cannot say with certainty he did this or he did that because. Paul wrote some very interesting things in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 as he was asserting inspiration. He wrote, For who knows among men what the thoughts of a man are except the spirit of the man which is in him? I believe that Jesus was also condemning putting the worst possible construction on what people do instead of the best. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 7, we find about love that it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It is true that we can know a person by what he does, but sometimes actions are subject to at least two interpretations, one good and one bad. When that is possible, which interpretation are we most likely to place upon it? As a result of some of these things, our judgment can be harsh, bitter, hypercritical, when it should be tempered with mercy and love. Peter also tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Getting along with others is to a large degree a matter of attitude or spirit. On one side there is a loving, sympathetic spirit that believes the best and tries to lift and help. On the other side there is a harsh, unsympathetic, judgmental spirit that really does rejoice in seeing someone get what he or she deserves. Now what comes after, do not judge. Well, what comes after is, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured you. Jesus is promising something here. If we are going to judge harshly, bitterly, or with a hypercritical spirit, then that is how we will be judged. As we think about that, we can easily see our need for mercy. Life is somewhat like a mirror. We are generally treated as we treat others. A principle that God seems to have woven into the fact of the fabric of the universe is that sooner or later we reap what we sow. In fact, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 just says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Remember Haman being hanged on the very gallows that he had had prepared for Mordecai and Esther 7? Think of the first part of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 8. He who digs a pit may fall into it. It also seems clear as we consider the promise of the second part of verse 1, as well as verse 2, that we must see our need for humility. Jesus was emphasizing our need to make judgments. Indeed, we constantly have to make judgments. But we also need to realize that we are not God. Since we are not God, we are going to be flawed sometimes in our judgments. In our relationships with others, we must remember that ultimately both we and they will stand before God, and it is God who will make the final judgment. Therefore, it behooves us to be merciful, kind, and patient. The second essential for getting along with others is pointed out in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3-5. through five. It is the need to make necessary changes.
When it comes to change, it is far easier to see how the other person needs to change than it is to see that we need to change. Jesus recognized this, so we find in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. While Jesus is not depicted in the Gospels as a joke teller, he did use humor. Here, just imagine a man with some massive logs sticking out of his eye as he struggles to see a speck that is in another man's eye. Depending upon how big your imagination is, you might even see that old log swinging this way and that, forcing everybody around him to duck to keep from being hit in the head. The point Jesus wanted all to understand is that it is ridiculous to be judges when we may be in a worse condition than those that we are judging. In matters pertaining to getting along with others, Jesus wants us to see what changes we might need to make. This reminds me of a passage in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, where Paul was actually writing to Jewish Christians who would condemn Gentile Christians in the church at Rome, but consider the obvious application to be made here. It tells us, Therefore you are without excuse, every man of you who passes judgment, for in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who practice or judge, practice the same things. And we know that this judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. And do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment upon those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? How did Jesus characterize those who acted this way? Back in Matthew 7 and verse 5, he did not mess around. He said, You hypocrite. I believe the point to be made is that being hypercritical in our judgment makes us hypocritical. Again, regarding judgment, we must start with ourselves. Jesus said in verse 5, first take the log out of your own eye. It's pretty easy to note the sins of others. It is not quite so easy to note our own sins. Paul also mentioned this kind of self-examination in a number of different contexts. For instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, we read, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Romans 14 and verse 13 is especially applicable. From the Amplified Version it reads, Then let us no more criticize and blame and pass judgment on one another, but rather decide and endeavor never to put a stumbling block or an obstacle or a hindrance in the way of the brother. The Phillips translation is even more to the point. Let us therefore stop turning critical eyes on one another. If we must be critical, let us be critical of our own conduct and see that we do nothing to make a brother stumble or fall. If we are to get along with others to the best of our ability, our first concern must be to make any needed changes in our own lives. If we start with self, we will certainly be less disposed toward being judgmental of others. Words to think about. Thanks for listening.